The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the Shy? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes now streaming. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with the Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. The subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply. Welcome in to the flagship podcast. I am Chip Brown of Horns247.com. Joined by the managing editor of Horns 24-7, Taylor Estes. Hey, Taylor, it's, uh, well, we're recording on Tuesday, so we're uh, coming to you Wednesday morning, which actually happens to be like signing day part two. We will leave those leftovers um, to Mike Roach and Hudson Standish, our incredibly competent recruiting gurus at horns247.com if it's okay with you we are going to focus on the big 12 releasing the 2023 football schedule seven weeks <laughs> after the league normally releases that schedule it's been um somewhat ridiculous actually that uh yeah. but i get it four new schools coming in we're gonna have this one year Anomaly of 14 schools in the Big 12 when you add in Cincinnati, Houston, BYU, and Central Florida. Um, but Texas fans, you now can make your your fall plans uh, because we have the schedule, Taylor. Yeah, about time. I mean, I guess better late than never, but it's like not like, you know, seven weeks ago they added these four schools and they just have a last minute to prepare this. So uh yeah definitely the the schedule's out um i feel like there's kind of mixed reviews chip among texas fans my uncle is a longtime season ticket holder and he's not too thrilled about the home schedule because he's like i pay a pretty penny for my season tickets and to see some of the teams that texas will face at home was not interesting to him at least i feel like that might be the um maybe the consensus among some season ticket holders. Uh, however, I kind of, I, when I look at Texas schedule, I kind of think the big 12 didn't do them as dirty as I thought they were. <laughs> I would say that I, I was expecting the big 12 to give them the worst games, the worst road, worst road games. And I don't think there really was that in this. What was your initial thoughts on the big 12 schedule for Texas? Yeah. They gave the worst road games to OU. Yeah, oh, you got. <laughs> yeah, oh, you. Um, oh, you's going. They're going to Cincinnati. They're going to BYU. Um, you know, so Kansas, Oklahoma State. Yeah, yeah, and they drew three of the newcomers. Texas drew um, two of the newcomers. Uh, Texas will play their good friends BYU in Austin, <laughs> and they'll go. Um, They'll go to Houston uh, right after a bye week in October. But, you know, you always look at that first Big 12 game. It got Texas this past year. They went out to Texas Tech. They coughed up a 31-17 lead. Um, 
and started off Big 12 play 0-1. Texas is going to open Big 12 play at Baylor. And Baylor had a disappointing um, season after winning the Big 12 under Dave Aranda. And, um, you know, there's questions at quarterback for Baylor. Uh, you lose some key players on defense like Siaka Ika, their big nose tackle. Um, and and Dave Aranda's changing up his coaching staff. So, you know, on paper, you're going to Waco, you're opening Big 12 play on the road, but that right now, again, Texas, 10 starters back on offense, a lot of uh, experience at every level of their defense returning, plus you add Jalen Catalan. That's a game Texas should win. And, and then – you know, Kansas comes to town. Kansas is improving. The last time Kansas came to Austin, they beat the Longhorns. Jared Casey became a cult figure uh, <laughs> in Lawrence, uh, the former walk-on. Got himself an NIL deal there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Caught that two-point conversion to win it over Texas. Got the NIL deal and, and became a significant contributor uh, for that Kansas team that Got off to uh, such a great start, five and zero start, kind of leveled off there uh, at the end. But uh, then it's Oklahoma, and then a bye. So Texas will play. I mean, they're getting their bye week exactly halfway through the season, and exactly when Oklahoma gets theirs too. Both teams get a bye after that game. Um, you know, I, I think that's a favorable spot too. You 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 know, kind of have a mid season um shakeup and to obviously the texas ou game i'm, I'm not sure what oklahoma is going to be like next year but you can never count them out you know when they those two teams face off in the cotton bowl so um that buy is probably a, a good spot for the rest of the schedule so the rest of the schedule might be kind of tricky i think chip yeah you're going to houston houston loses their quarterback clayton toon who was unbelievable uh at that level of football He's at the Senior Bowl now. Um, so Dana Holgerson, after going eight and five, it hasn't been as good, I think, as Tillman Fertitta, the the big money guy at Houston, who's also the chair of their Board of Regents, um, has wanted. And so this could be a make or break year for Dana Holgerson, actually, uh, because Tillman Fertitta wants Houston to compete for the big 12 championship and is willing to, to pay to get there. Um, but you play, you play Houston in Houston, Texas, probably fine with that gets, they used to schedule games against rice down there to get uh, in front of recruits. Uh, but then it's BYU in Austin and Texas has, struggled with BYU. <laughs> I mean, you say BYU to Texas fans, they have visions of Taysom Hill hurdling uh, Dylan Haynes and hurdling Manny Diaz's entire defense up in Provo. Uh, so uh, they, you know, BYU beat Baylor last year. Uh, they, they lose their quarterback, Jalen Hall, but, you know, they've got, they're a tough-minded bunch and they're all, they're always usually like 23 to 25 years old after their mission. So yeah, it's, that's a tricky game. It always will be. 
And then you get the conference champs, K-State coming to Austin, Taylor, before you go on the road against TCU and Iowa State back-to-back. And then you finish uh, on Black Friday against a, an improving Texas Tech program under Joey McGuire, who has, he's got quarterbacks back. He's, um, you know, he's he's building that thing in the right direction. I think Texas Tech is a team uh, to watch. and and a team you you don't want to be playing in Lubbock in 2023. Yeah, no doubt about it. And this is, I mean, I would say that uh, we, if you missed our live version of the flagship podcast on Monday, we kind of touched on this. But this is a year that Texas probably should be in the Big 12 title game. There's not really many excuses that Texas can have, barring any type of substantial you know, injuries to key positions or something like that. Um, that would really be the only excuse that Texas would have if that were to come to fruition. And it's going to be, I mean, I, I am like so intrigued by the big 12 next year because it kind of was the, the weird dark horse conference. Everybody you know didn't think that it was going to be very good. And then all of a sudden you look up and TCU and the first year head coach has been playing for the college football playoff. Um, but this is, I feel like this seeing the schedule slate, um, obviously Texas getting BYU, that's a school that I feel like Maryland and BYU, if Texas can ever avoid <laughs> scheduling them, just do it at all costs. It doesn't do you well. So that's going to be an interesting one. Um, it definitely helps that it's at home. I think that Texas will face them at home, but this is even more so, I think, uh, kind of solidifies what we were talking about on the flagship on Monday about how Texas is probably needs to play for a big 12 title and they should um, have the roster to do so. And now this schedule slate, I'm like, absolutely. This is a big 12 title or bus type of year for Texas. And I am saying that as somebody who literally has um, never said that in my career, because I just didn't think that, 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 you know, whether it's scheduling or the roster makeup or anything, I just never really have felt confident that Texas would be in this position. But now I feel confident going into 2023 that this is a definitely favorable schedule, much more so than what Oklahoma got. And um, further makes me think Texas should be in that Big 12 title game come December. Yeah, I mean, you if you're Texas, you were supposed to go to West Virginia, which is always a tough road trip. Now you're going to Houston instead. And you were supposed to play Oklahoma State at home. You're playing BYU instead. I, it's kind of a, I think it equals out. Mm -hmm. uh, Oklahoma State obviously has all kinds of question marks after, you know, Spencer Sanders decides to go to Ole Miss and a bunch of guys get in the portal who you weren't expecting. They didn't run the ball the way they have in the past last year. Um, it, 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 it's a weird situation. So the teams, I mean, Oklahoma state has done so well against Texas in Austin. They're five and one right. in their last six games in Austin. So you're, you're kind of like, well, okay. Kind of, kind of dodged a bullet there. Maybe take, take your chances with BYU. Uh, even though, uh, that BYU team is always a tough-minded uh, group that doesn't, you know, very rarely beats itself. And mm -hmm. and so you're right. I mean, it's hard to look at the league. All you can go on is what you had last year. TCU played 
for the national championship. K-State won the conference championship. Um, K-State has its quarterback back in Will Howard, but loses Deuce Vaughn, Malik Knowles, um, you know, Felix Anyaduke Uzama, their defensive end, and Julius Brents at corner and Daniel Green at middle linebacker. I mean, K-State's got a lot of holes to fill on defense. Uh, they have their whole offensive line back, though, and if they have talent at the receiver position, that's that's a game you would say. I mean, if you're an Oklahoma fan, you're ecstatic that you're not playing K-State. Yeah. I mean, K-State's three and one against OU the last four years. Uh, so even though OU's going to going to Provo and going to Cincinnati, they're not they're not having to deal with Chris Kleiman's Wildcats. So um, you know, I, I think you you start with the road games. You say, okay, where where are you playing on the road? Mm-hmm. Is it manageable? Baylor, Houston, um, you know, TCU, you're getting in November when you should know who you are. You should have your identity formed. Um, and and TCU loses a lot. They just lost Garrett Riley to right. Clemson, which is still kind of a weird deal to me. But um, now they've got Kendall Bryles as their offensive coordinator, but they don't have Max Duggan. They don't have Kendry Miller. They don't have uh, De Mercado. They don't have Quentin Johnston. Um, or Darius Davis, they lose a lot of key players on offense um, who helped engineer that run this past season. Still, tough game in November. That's what you expect. And then who knows about Iowa State? I mean, they completely laid an egg last year, even though they had the best defense and they had an offense that could move the ball. is totally weird. Iowa State mm-hmm. lost so many close games. And you're, you're going, what is the deal? And then, um, you know, Matt Campbell uh, replaces his offensive coordinator. So a lot of flux, um, you know, and that's why Texas Tech is intriguing because they, you know, they have their quarterback back. They've, they've, they're kind of, you know, taking on the personality of Joey McGuire. They're the, you know, that riled up physical bunch. They go for it on fourth down. They're riverboat gamblers. We'll see if that uh, continues. But, I mean, Tech beat OU last year. Uh, they beat Texas. They they were a thorn. Uh, yeah. And, and so, but you're getting them late in the year. You're not playing them at the beginning. And that's where they, that's where Texas has been playing Tech, Taylor. Even when Sam Ellinger went out there and they pulled off that crazy, 16 point comeback in the final three minutes, got it to overtime and won. Um, that was the opener out right. in Lubbock, just like it was this past season. So I think it's, I think the schedule's pretty manageable. You want to be able to work your way in. I'm not saying Baylor's a cupcake, but um, they won the conference two years ago, but there's some, there's some flux there. The, Quarterback situation wasn't as good as they thought it was going to be this past season. So um, I look at the schedule and I say, okay, Texas. This Only like leave a- the state twice. And one of those is Alabama, non-conference game. And then Iowa State. That's the only that? times that, Great yeah. point. Yeah, just, Great point. yeah. Every other road game is in the state of Texas. So you're taking bus trips. Mm-hmm. I mean. You'll take that too. Yeah. Yeah, and Alabama is Alabama, um, but they've got some. You know, they're going to have a new quarterback, and they're going to 
They're not going to have Will Anderson anymore, but let's be honest, it's Alabama. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, and you're in Tuscaloosa. So. And and even if Texas does lose that game, if they handle business in the Big 12, doesn't mean that they won't. They, I mean, shoot, they may play for a conference. I mean, a college football playoff bid. You know, I mean, that's that you want that game early. You want to play Alabama on the road. You know early in the season because then you at least have the rest of the season to prove yourself so yeah and Quinn Ewers lit up Alabama for a quarter <laughs> so if he's the starting quarterback he should feel good about going into that game because he had a good experience against Alabama believe it or not um and heck maybe a, Texas was a corner blitz away from from winning that game but um you know this is Steve Sarkeesian we talked about this a little bit in our our live um, podcast on Monday that Steve Sarkeesian with the receivers he's got now um, that this offense is now going to resemble the kind of offense he envisioned when he came to Texas speed all over the place deep threats not just one but three and four at a time where the defense is panicked about who's going deep from where and and then an offensive line that's growing up in front of our eyes should be able to protect Quinn Ewers uh, well enough for him to find those receivers so uh, it's you know it's a it looks like a schedule to me that that Texas um, should be quietly happy about yeah a hundred percent I mean like like I said earlier, we I I was expecting the worst. I, I think Oklahoma got the worst of the deal. Um, I was expecting both teams, honestly, to get it for you know, or for the Big Twelve kind of do like one last potential last kick in the butt to <laughs> Texas and Oklahoma for breaking up the lead and the league and putting in the the conference in this uh, position. But yeah, I, th I think you take this every day of the week if you're a Texas fan. And I know that, you know, the home games aren't great for the those season ticket holders, but um, it always could be worse. You know, they could have been going to Provo. They could have been going to Cincinnati or something a lot, or even Central Florida. I mean, those are those are not easy trips to take. So if you're a Texas fan, I think you, you take this one as a chalk it up as an early win and then hope you take care of business, you know, when that schedule does start and that, you know, Quinn Ewer stays healthy and all of that. And who knows, maybe, maybe I won't say it, but maybe this is the year that Texas is not at the bottom of the big 12. <laughs> I'll say, I'm not saying the word, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, you got Michigan coming to town next year at home. So uh, that's something to look forward to. Chip's going to be sitting in the press box of that game uh, with his MGO blue type of shirts on <laughs> everything. <laughs> the Michigan man here. <laughs> Yeah, I grew up going to Michigan games. My parents were season ticket holders, but it's uh, it's been a long time. Um, yeah, how about this? Home schedule next year, 2024. Colorado State and Jay Norvell. Uh, my son goes to Colorado State, so he might be coming in for that one. Uh, Michigan and then Jeff Trailer. And the UTSA Roadrunners come back to Austin. Um, that uh, it's not a bad home schedule. No, um, no, not at all. Looks like the even-numbered years are the good home schedules because 
25, they're at Ohio State. 26, Ohio State and UTSA are here, Mm -hmm. uh, along with Texas State. And then in 2027, Texas goes back uh, and, and plays at Michigan. And then Georgia is in Austin on uh, in 2028. So, and we'll, um, I wonder if that will change for the not because I mean that's currently a non-conference matchup, but Texas yeah. will be in the the SEC by then for sure. Um, I w- I'm curious to see how that if it, I would imagine it's going to change, right? Yeah, or they might just weave it in. Yeah, maybe so. Because the SEC's been known to have conference games on opening weekend. Um, which is always, always interesting. I don't yeah. think coaches like it, but, um, yeah, that, uh, but back to, back to the 2023 schedule, Taylor, Oklahoma state. I mean, it's just weird that Oklahoma state is not going to play, uh, Texas tech, Texas TCU or Baylor. Yeah. I could see them not playing schools from the old big 12 North, but those are all their former big 12 South mates. I mean, they're going to play Kansas, Kansas state, Iowa state, um, West Virginia. They're not playing Texas, Texas tech, TCU or Baylor. That's just, just weird to me, but. Do you think that they have a favorable schedule? I know they have well, a lot of questions and stuff to on their roster, yeah, but I mean, they got out of going to Texas Tech and they got out of going to Texas. Yeah, that I think those are two teams that are going to finish in the top half of the conference. So instead, you're going to Houston and Central Florida. I mean, if you're Oklahoma State, I think you're you're fine with that. Yeah, um, you're not playing TCU, the team that played for the national championship. Instead, you're you know, you're playing at home against Cincinnati and BYU. So I think Oklahoma State is probably just fine mm-hmm. with with this schedule. Um, even though they've had great success against Texas and Austin the last six times they've been here, um, it's I mean, that looks like a schedule that they can that they can handle. I mean, I don't uh you know, Cincinnati's got uh, a new coach. They've, they've got a new quarterback. Um, you know, we've talked about only central Florida returns their quarterback and they've brought in a quarterback who they, they think, you know, could end up being the starter as well. So, um, even though, you know, Cincinnati was nine and four last year, um, central Florida was nine and five. Uh, BYU was eight and five, beat Baylor last year, and Houston was eight and five. They've got um, they got some question marks, either changes at coordinate, changes at head coach, changes at coordinator, changes at quarterback. Um, you know, Cincinnati had the defensive player of the year last year at linebacker, and now he's on to the NFL. So it's a different looking. Um, you know, complexion of those new teams coming in. They all had really successful, well, not really successful, but successful years last year. And, and they've got question marks and it is hard to kind of pick who the 
the team to beat is other than Texas, honestly, with all the starters back. So it, um, it, yeah, I mean, Texas, here we go. Yeah. No pressure, Steve Sarkeesian, but this, uh, I, I, I stand by what we said. This is a big 12 title bid or bust type of season for him. And it's going to, I think you're going to learn a lot about Steve Sarkeesian as a head coach um, too, because I still think there's questions about him as a, a head coach, just with him, you know, being back in this role only two years had obviously that disappointing first season, but recruits are buying into him. They're buying what the coaches are selling them about the future of the program, what they're trying to build, you know, um, so that they can compete in the SEC. And, you know, if I've always say if, if recruits are buying into it, there's something behind what they're selling, you know? And so um, I, I feel like, you know, this is Steve Sarkeesian's really going to have to answer, especially if he, if not only, you know, for his future at Texas, but to be able to be able to sustain, you know, the, the recruiting success that the Longhorns have, have had under um, him and his staff. Yeah. And I think, he would have been in the big 12 championship game. Um, you know, if he had just kept running the football against Oklahoma state and that that's my big question about Sark, does he have someone on the offensive side of the football who will tell him, Hey, we don't need to throw it here. W let's run it. And, yeah. you know, I, I mentioned the other day that, that Garrett Riley uh, provided that kind of information to Sonny Dykes when they were down 24 to seven, against Oklahoma state and Sonny's saying, Hey, think we need to throw it here. And Garrett Riley was like, Nope, we're good. Let's keep running it. And sure enough, they came all the way back, won the game. And Sonny Dykes was like, wow, because Sonny's an offensive guy. He's a mm -hmm. former offensive play caller. And you got to have that. You got to have yeah. that voice. You trust, especially Steve Sarkeesian on the offensive side of the ball. I don't think he, listens to AJ Milwe like that. I mean, Milwe no. was a kind of a glorified grad assistant, offensive quality control at Alabama. Um, I, and, and listen, Milwe was a six year offensive coordinator at Akron for, for Terry Bowden, but Terry Bowden told us here on the flagship podcast that Milwe's more of a calculated play caller. You know, he kind of puts all the tendencies in, uh, for down and distance from the opponent you know, defensively and then calls up the plays according to that. Not, not as much of a gut feel guy like Sarkeesian. So, um, you know, that's, he's a binder coach, right? A little bit, <laughs> a binder, yeah, a little yeah. bit of a binder, a little bit of a bind. Maybe, you know, maybe that binder was telling Sark to run it in the fourth yeah. quarter against <laughs> Oklahoma state and Texas tech last year. But that, that to me is, is the big question. We're still waiting on, um, Sark's, uh, special assistant on offense to me go hire a veteran guy you really respect um and you know have him be your your yoda yeah um and and that's something that i think would really benefit uh steve sarkeesian you know i don't know if it's david cutcliffe or or what but you know that's that's the kind of guy I would go get if I'm Sark. I agree. And and you bring up a good point because I think, you know, from from things that we kind of heard behind the scenes, it's not that nobody on the staff last year on offense was 
like stepping in to try to get Sark to run the ball more. I think Sark just doesn't li- wasn't listening to them. And and it is really really difficult for a head coach to also be an offensive play caller. It is. And I know fans don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear any excuses. You know, it's Sark's decision to to take on that role. And I understand both sides of it, but it is really diff- difficult because usually the offensive play caller when the offense is off the field, they're over by the offense talking to them or, or on the headset talking to them. Sark can't do that as a head coach because he's got to watch what's going on in the field on the defense and, you know, calling timeouts and doing it. He doesn't have that break in the game to be able to get a really grasp of uh, or a feel, I think, from the team and that's in or even assistant coaches. So he's got to find if he's going to remain the offensive play caller, he's got to find a way to listen to the people that are speaking to the players, to the people that are, you know, watching from the booth. And and if if AJ Milwee should not be in the booth, he shouldn't be in the booth. You know, maybe he should be on the field and maybe you move, you know, someone else up there. I know he probably would never move up Jeff Banks um, to the booth or anything, because I think Jeff Banks is really good being on the field with the guys um, and, and, you know, the offense and then him being special teams too. But you've got to have somebody that's going to be on either the headset or next to you that you are willing to listen to that can pay, pay more attention to the details on offense and not just have to pay attention to every aspect of the game. Yeah. Yeah. And Jeff Banks is a really important voice on that coaching staff. Cause I, I feel like he is absolutely uh, one of the voices that Sarkeesian will listen to. I just don't know what the dynamic is. Uh, during games, if if Banks is telling him, hey, let's keep running it here uh, because Sark um, doesn't like a whole lot of chatter on the headset when he's when he's calling plays on offense. So it's uh, it's interesting. It's fascinating. And if if Sark has added the talent that he feels like he needs a receiver to feel comfortable with the passing game, then maybe it all takes care of itself because we know he, he gets off to good starts. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot. Uh, obviously, TCU, it didn't work out so well. That was a, a you know, fight in a phone booth. You're, you had to be patient. TCU was patient. They stuck with the run, even though they weren't getting anything. And then they finally popped one. And um, But most of the time, Texas gets off to a good start offensively. And then it's, can they hang on? in the second half or can they expand on the lead in the second half? And I thought the defense took a big step and, um, you know, Quinn Ewers had to grow and go through the ups and downs and build some calluses and some toughness and go through some adversity to understand everything that goes along with being the quarterback at Texas. He did that. So if the offense takes off, um, in such a way that Sark's not, you know, dealing with, uh, am I going to stick with the run here in the fourth quarter? Uh, they've cut our lead from 14 down to three. Um, you know, cause Taylor, there was a lot of that going on. I mean, until they finally won at K state, it was, I mean, my God, it was five or six games that they had leads in the second half that they lost, ended up losing the game. I mean, mm-hmm. there's no other program that was doing that anywhere. And right. FBS, that number of times within that same time frame, it was 
like, okay, Sark, what is this a you problem? Yeah. Um, but then TCU they was it. doing it to other teams too, but not on the receiving end of it. Right. Right. But then they snapped it with that great win at Kansas state and then couldn't, uh, couldn't convert that win, um, you know, at home against TCU, uh, to, to get into the big 12 title game. But, um, you know, it's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. Their Texas is certainly fun to watch because Steve Sarkeesian, you know, is going to, uh, push the ball down the field. There's always a chance for explosive plays. And, and now you have more than just Xavier worthy as, as the deep threat on paper, you have, A.D. Mitchell, 6'4", 190. You've got Isaiah Nair. You've got Jontae Cook. Uh, you've got Jordan Whittington and Brennan Thompson and Savion Red. Um, but, you know, people ask about that blow up that Savion Red had um, at Oklahoma State. And, you know, Brennan Marion was trying to sub him into the game. Mm-hmm. And Sark got mad. Like, he's not ready for this game. Well okay, what is going on here? I mean, so it, it's, um, you know, that part of it has to get ironed out, um, you know, and maybe with, um, Chris Jackson, it, it, there's, or just experience in that receiving core, everybody gets comfortable with who should be coming in and out of games, but Sark has been real reluctant to sub uh, at receiver at running back anywhere really on offense. Yeah. So he tends to stick with the guys. He feels like he can trust the most and we'll see how this, uh, changes or doesn't as these receivers become, uh, more trusted, bigger playmakers, uh, because, I think he's going to have trouble holding on to receivers if he's not rotating more guys. Yeah, it's kind of the opposite of what Tom Herman would do. People complained a lot about Tom Herman rotating too much. And and there there, there is a, a balance that you have to have because rotating too much, it's not allowing guys to fully see what a defense is doing too or what, you know, if, if they're in co- or, you know, being covered by someone, their tendencies. You know, there's a lot of things like that that come into play so rotating too much is not the answer, but not rotating also is not the answer. So, I mean, this isn't, let's be honest, it's not Alabama. It's not Alabama where you're going to hold on to these former five stars who are waiting their turn because they're playing at Alabama and they know that Saban knows what he's doing, you know? And so you, you've got to, you know, you got to find that happy medium. And that's where I think you're going to learn a lot about Steve Sarkeesian um, as a head coach, especially in year three of his career here at Texas. Yeah. And you're going to learn a lot in week two, uh, after they, you know, pound on rice, they go to Alabama. Uh, we're going to learn a lot because, um, there's, there's no game. Steve Sarkeesian would rather win more than, uh, a road game at Alabama to, to say, Hey, We've arrived kind of like, right. you know, Texas in 05 when they went up to Ohio State. Ohio State had never lost at home at night and and Texas got it done and and they carried that confidence on uh, to ultimately win a national championship. So, um, I mean, this is the kind of team that could catch fire. You've got yeah. experience everywhere. 
Uh, you got a quarterback now in the second year of Sarkeesian system, who is the highest rated uh, player in his entire recruiting class. Uh, so this and you got is depth, depth too. Depth, yeah. So this should be a fun year for for Texas fans. So so giddy up, um, yeah. Taylor. Before we we get to love it or leave it, just real quick basketball. Um, Rodney Terry, I mean, this team, they got, uh, you know, number 11, Baylor coming in. Baylor had won six straight against Texas and 12 of the last 13. We talked about that going in. It's It's been rough for Texas against Baylor. And when, um, you know, Baylor was hitting threes down the stretch with their super freshman, Keontae George, and he converts a three-point play to cut it to 72-71 with less than a minute left. You're thinking, and Fran Fraschilla is on the call going, oh, watch out, here comes Baylor. And then Marcus Carr, who's one of seven shooting for the game, comes down, um, jab steps, step back, 16 foot jumper good 28 seconds left and then baylor misses a three jabari rice grabs the rebound gets fouled hits the free throws ball game 76 71. they continue to be iron nerve you know just steel in these late game situations and ronnie terry was hugging his coach i mean jumping up and down like a schoolgirl. <laughs> and he was asked after the game, Hey, Rodney, what, you know, he seemed overly emotional. He's like, Hey, Baylor's had our number, you know, yeah. we, we, we finished the the streak and, um, and he said he was really proud of the team, the way they bounced back from the loss at Tennessee. And they were dominated in that game against Tennessee. I mean, it was an 11 point final score, but they were down 22 with seven minutes left. They, they were completely dominated by a really good Tennessee team that, in my opinion, should be in the Final Four. But um, it, was a, it was a great scene at uh, the Moody Center. And now uh, Texas basketball will, will head uh, up to play uh, Kansas State on Saturday and then uh, number seven, Kansas State, and then number eight, Kansas, on Monday. They won't even come home from that trip. So... Um, you know, kudos, Rodney Terry, Texas right now is, uh, as we record, this <laughs> is a half game in, in front of everyone in first place. Now, uh, Kansas state and Kansas are going to play tonight, Tuesday night. Um, so if, and, and they're playing in Lawrence. So if, uh, if Kansas wins that game, Texas will be alone in first place in the big 12 going into that, uh, that game Saturday against Jerome Tang, the new head coach at K-State. He's the talk of college basketball. So um, good stuff from Ronnie Terry and the Longhorns. Um, all right, Taylor, you ready for some love it or leave it? I am. Before we get to love it or leave it, we're going to take a really, really quick break, but stay tuned. We have more football talk coming up. We'll be right back. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. 
It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate, available now. Chip, ready for my first love it or leave it? I'm ready. I'm ready. All righty. First one, love it or leave it. The Big 12 did Oklahoma a favor by subbing at Cincinnati, UCF, and at BYU for at Kansas State, Texas Tech, and at Baylor. I mean, on paper, it looks like, oh, man, they got to they gotta go to Ohio for a game. They got to go to the Rocky Mountain time zone in Provo for a game. But I think... I think the big 12 did do Oklahoma a favor. They don't have to play at Kansas state, a team that has a three and one record against OU the last four years. Chris Kleiman has owned OU. Uh, even when Lincoln Riley was there, they're not playing Texas tech, which I think is a team on the rise and they're not going to Baylor. All three of those teams beat OU last year. So, I, I think, I think the big 12, I'm going to love this. I think the big 12 did Oklahoma a favor by sending them up to Cincinnati where there's a new head coach, uh, sending them. Well, no, they get central Florida and in Norman. And that's a weird deal because Dylan Gabriel, the quarterback at OU transferred from central Florida. So he's going up against his old mates. And then, um, you know, OU having to go to BYU. That's probably the toughest of the of the three, but I'm going to love this, Taylor. How about you? I don't know. I think I'm going to leave it because there is a part of me that when you obviously like I, I feel like, again, the Big 12 is kind of a unique league going into this season because there is a lot of questions and rebuilding and, you know, just a lot of different um change, I would say, that you're probably going to see in addition to adding four new schools to to the conference. But I also feel like these new schools are probably going to want to prove themselves against the the team that has won so many Big 12 titles. And so, you know, I, I'm always kind of the ones like, I, I don't want to face some team that doesn't have anything to lose because it's like, gosh, if you're the team that has something to lose, you, I, I would take the other, you know, position any day of the week. So I, I think I'm going to leave this. I, I think that the fact that they're playing three of the four new schools, um, including a, you know a road trip to Cincinnati and at BYU, which you and I know uh, all too well, that is not even the. It's not an easy stadium. I mean, I'll tell you, those, those a lot of those kids may not drink, but that place gets crazy rowdy. Like you more so than I think you really ever expect if you had never been to a game at BYU. So, and I was on the field for that game when Texas played in 2013. And I, I mean, my ears were ringing. It's a small stadium and it's an open stadium too. And the fact that my ears were ringing for being on the sideline of that game, it um, should tell you all you need to know. But I, so I think I'm going to actually, I'm going to leave this. I'm going to say that the big 12 did not do Oklahoma a favor by subbing these games and, and obviously, you know, Kansas state at Kansas state, that's a, that's a tough place to play. Uh, Texas Tech, as you mentioned, I agree, is on the rise. Um, at Baylor is not as difficult, in my opinion, to play at. Um, so, and that's not a knock on the the talent. I just think that the it's not really a, a hostile environment as much as other places. So, I'm I'm going to leave this. Okay. Yeah. 
I mean, we'll uh, we'll see how this this all plays out. All right, love it or leave it, number two. Second one, love it or leave it. The Big Twelve did Texas a favor by subbing at Houston and home versus BYU for at West Virginia and home versus Oklahoma State. You know, um, I think this is a wash. I think this is a wash. Um, you know, going to Houston instead of West Virginia is definitely a plus from a travel standpoint, from a recruiting standpoint. And I think even from a talent standpoint, uh, even though Houston, who is coached by the former head coach of West Virginia, um, you know, won eight games last year, which was a better season than Neil Brown had at West Virginia. Um, I think that's, I think that's a little better deal for Texas. Now, um, having to play BYU instead of Oklahoma State, depending on what Mike Gundy does with his roster, we've never seen Gundy have a bad season and not follow it up with a good season. Yeah. So unless he's lost the locker room, um, you know, I think it's kind of a wash. So I don't know if it's a favor or, or not. Um, I, so I'll leave it. I'll, I'll just say, I don't think it was a favor. I just think it's a wash. Yeah. How about you? I I'm agree. I'm going to leave it too, because I, I think, I mean, playing <laughs> BYU is no favor to Texas at all, but, um, at West Virginia, it's a tough place to play. Um, you know, at Houston, it, again, they're not leaving the state and Oklahoma state is, as you mentioned earlier, has had a really good success against Texas at when they play in Austin. So I, I agree. I, I think I'm going to leave it because I don't think it was a favor, but I don't think it wasn't a favor either. It was a wash. I think that, um, you know, it, it was pretty equal on uh, both sides. So yeah, I'm going to leave that one. Yeah. And Dana Holgerson, he did have some success against Texas when he was at West Virginia. Um, you know, again, he's got to break in a new quarterback and I don't, I don't know how happy Tillman Fertitta is with Dana. Um, you know, he, he's probably saying I had eight wins under major Applewhite and I got rid right. of him for you. Uh, but anyway, all right. Love it or yeah. leave it. Number three. I think, I think Dana Holderson's going to be on the, or is a coach on the hot seat entering this year. So yeah, yeah I can see my, it. Yeah. So, all right. Final one, love it or leave it. Texas fans should expect the 10th ranked Longhorns to go 0-2 in their next two games, which is, as we talked, Chip talked earlier, at number seven, Kansas State, and at number eight, Kansas. You know, I don't know about expect. I mean, they're going to, the other, you know, Kansas State and Kansas are going to be favored at home against Texas. So Vegas is saying that Texas fans should expect, but Texas has been really good on the road. Um, I get it. It's, it's been Oklahoma, Oklahoma state and West Virginia, but man, it's hard to win on the road. And those were all close games. Those were all those, you know, final four minute, anybody's game under eight point differential. And, 
Texas has found ways to win those games. I, and Kansas is, Kansas is struggling right now. So I guess we'll, I'm, I'm going to leave this because I could see Texas going one and one in these games. Okay. Taylor, how about you? I, I think you expect the worst and hope for the best right now. And um, just because this, those are two tough games. And as you said, they're not even be coming back. And so it's like, you know, they're um, that the, that's a, that's a tough stretch and it's only in three days. So I think, or yeah, three days. So I think that if Texas comes out one and one in this next two games, you take that as a win. I think you should probably expect, I mean, facing three isn't, wasn't Baylor like top or 11 in the country, I believe. When they 11. Played? Yep. Yeah. So playing three straight, you know, top 25 teams, top 15 ranked teams is a gauntlet for any team and doing so in one week, the same week, honestly, like, you know, in, in seven days that that's tough. So I, I'm going to love this. I'm going to say expect the worst and hope for at least one win. All right. There you have it, kids. Um, good stuff. Good stuff. Always appreciate y'all tuning in to the flagship podcast and, uh, and make sure you're, you know, tuning in on, uh, well, make sure you listen to our live podcast from Monday. Cause we got into all kinds of stuff. There's all kinds of little nuggets in there. We always sprinkle some nuggets in there that you probably aren't going to hear anywhere else. Uh, and then make sure that you're tuning in um, next Monday. And we'll just leave that as a tease for you. You don't you don't want to miss that. Um, it will be an interview podcast. But um, we appreciate y'all so much. Make sure you're subscribed to the Horns twenty four seven YouTube channel. Feel free to give us a five star rating uh, at iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts and for taylor estes i am chip brown until next time we'll see you at horns 247.com stay safe and keep the faith